This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show. This is a home run. This is a grand slam. Whatever analogy you want to use as a Yankee fan, how in God's name can you not be excited here? You're outfield next year. Barring anything else happening the rest of the winter, you're going to have Verdugo in left, and he's a good corner outfielder. You're going to have Juan Soto in right, and more often than not, you're going to have Aaron Judge in center field. Enjoy it while he's here, because it's going to cost you a lot of money. If he has the season, you hope that he has, because that means he has a spectacular year to where there is going to be some other club that's willing to put 350 $400 million potentially in front of him because he's that worth it and he's that good. And oh, by the way, he's what, going to be 26 after next season? Great job by the Yankees. Great job. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Final hour of the show on this Wednesday. Dan Grosser, 98.7 ESPN. Crank down a little louder, baby. Crank it a little wet, not because of tonight's game. All right, it just went final in Wake Forest, and, and, and it was not our best effort. I'll give you that. But, 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 still optimism. Still good news today. Apart from the game, it's like might have lost the battle, but we won the war. Because this afternoon, Dylan Harper, number two ranked recruit in the class of 2024, chose the Scarlet Knights over the likes of Duke, Indiana, Kansas. So Ron's little brother coming to the banks with Ace Bailey and others for next year. And Coach Peichel has delivered the number three recruiting class in America. This is Rutgers basketball. Remember, we were jokes on Saturday Night Live a decade ago. And now we're a destination program. Now, tonight was a tough one again. Saturday was a tough one against Illinois. I was there. Okay, but still, this program has turned. Coach Pike and others have set the standard. And now look what's happening. We're beating out the likes of Duke, of Kansas, of Indiana, Blue Bloods. Top three recruiting classes in America. College basketball, 2024. Duke, Kentucky, Rutgers. You read that right. Duke, UK, are you? Now you got to win some games, right? Got to win some games or else nobody's coming here. What this program has done the last four or five years, making it to the NCAA tournament on a few occasions, right? Big 10 conference, picking off the Goliaths in that league, reestablishing the rack as a place that no opponent wants to come in and play basketball. Unless you're Illinois on Saturday, look pretty comfortable. That being said, I couldn't be happier. And if you would have told me in my lifetime, before I could even crawl, that Rutgers basketball would have one of the top recruiting classes in America and be mentioned along with those schools, bravo. Bravo to coach. Bravo to everybody over there with that program. And I can't wait to see what this program does over the coming years, really and truly. As far as we're concerned, though, we've been all over the map tonight. little football. Zach Wilson is going to be the starting quarterback again for the New York Jets on Sunday. Said that report is a bunch of hogwash that came out about him being reluctant to go out there and play football. He'll be out there. Robert Sala says he has no reservations. Zach gives us the best chance to win. That's why he's the guy. Talked a little Knicks here in the last hour is... 
Their in-season tournament dreams came to an end, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks, giving up about 150 points. Now they're back at it in Boston coming up on Friday in regular season games the rest of the way for them. And the Yankees making a big splash tonight, right? Not final yet. The Padres are reportedly the ones that are reviewing physicals. Take that with a grain of salt, whatever you want to read from that one. But the Padres are the ones that are waiting to sign off on this deal before it's official. But Juan Soto, barring an 11th-hour hang-up, is going to be a New York Yankee. And if you're a Yankee fan, you got to be thrilled. If you're a Yankee fan, this is supposed to at least begin the process of extending the olive branch to one Brian Cashman, right? You see Brian Cashman out on the streets. You say, Brian, I'm sorry. Brian, I said some things I shouldn't have said. Brian, I thank you for delivering one of the best players in all of Major League Baseball to the Bronx. Now, look, it might only be one year, and that's okay. As I said, that is okay. But the Yankees are not a finished product, and that's why, for those that still want to hold it against this GM and think that, you know what, he is on borrowed time right now, there's still work to be done. Your starting rotation does not exactly strike fear in the hearts of opposing lineups, okay? What happens if one of these guys go down? I like Verdugo. I like Soto. How can he not? And then you have Judge playing center field. That's fine. But what if injuries take place? Where's your depth? Because right now, when you look at the rest of this roster, and specifically you look at the infield, okay, you got Anthony Rizzo at first base coming off of an injury-plague season, right? You've got Glaber Torres, a guy who seems like we go into each and every offseason maybe expecting Glaber Torres to get traded. Anthony Volpe, the kid, rookie season, had his moments, fielded really well, but you want to see him take that next step. DJ LeMahieu, another guy. You know what? Maybe his best days are behind him. But you're asking a lot of ifs with some of these players who I don't think that you can look at anymore and say with certainty you know what you're going to get from them. Because DJ LeMahieu has been going south for the last couple of seasons. And oh, by the way, you want to start talking about bad contracts? Look how much money DJ LeMahieu still has coming to him from the New York Yankees. And how many more years? That is something that can hang over. This baseball team, because you know what they like to do? DJ LeMahieu, by the way, three more years, $15 million a pop. And he's 35 years old, coming off a couple of down seasons. Because these teams are going to throw into your face, oh, you know what, the luxury tax, the payroll, we're not going to exceed that. We can't do that. Don't want to do it. And those are the type of contracts when they're on your book, you say, well, can't do anything about him. I'm not even going to bring up Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, that, it, that is what it is. It's unmovable right now. Unless you're going to tell me that the Yankees are just going to wait for another year to pass and then maybe there's, not maybe, there will be less on it to just basically eat and get them the hell out of there. Like the Mets ended up doing with Robinson Cano once upon a time. Remember that? But it would be nice if he produces, kill two birds with one stone. But that's not a given. But this is a great first step if you're a Yankee fan. Soto coming to this team is nothing but a positive. I like Verdugo. I like Trent Grisham as a fourth outfielder. As I said earlier in the show, Trent Grisham, go back and watch some of those Mets-Padres games in the postseason in 2022 and how many big plays Trent Grisham made with his glove and with his bat 
in that series to help get the Mets the hell out of the playoffs. This is a good move. This is a good way to start off your offseason. And as far as Yamamoto is concerned, you know what? That guy's going to get the bag. He's going to get the bag because with each passing day, the rumored contract numbers for Yoshi Yamamoto are just skyrocketing right now. I mean, they're like out of control. And there was a report that Steve Cohen and David Stearns hopped on the Steve Cohen private jet and they flew all the way to Japan to meet with him personally last week. And Steve brought his checkbook. So we'll wait and see because there are going to be other suitors as well. And now you're hearing about maybe $300 million. Some of the numbers that people are speculating for Yamamoto, 10 years, 300 million bucks for a guy who has yet to throw a pitch in the major leagues. But he's 25 years of age. That is one hell of a gamble. Look, it's not my money. It's somebody who certainly can bear to part with it. But for pitchers especially that are extremely fickle when it comes to their health and their well-being, investing that much money and that many years in a guy who we haven't even seen him yet over here. That's a risk. Here was David Stearns, by the way, at the winter meetings. He runs the Mets on the pursuit of Yamamoto. When you're pursuing someone who is very highly sought after free agent, is going to get a lot of money, you have to strategize around that. And so if we get him, that, that probably leads us down one path in the offseason. If we don't get him, we'll adjust and, and go down alternate paths. All right, so that's interesting because here's what David Stearns is saying. Now remember, when the Mets decided to sell off their pieces in the summertime, and basically admit that 2023 was not going to be their year. Steve Cohen went up there and told you, hey, you know what, maybe, just maybe, we're not going to go all in in 2024. We're not going to spend like we did the previous couple of off-seasons. Right, Max Scherzer did that interview after he was traded, and he said that Billy Epler, who, remember, remember Billy Epler? He was the guy who fudged the injury reports, remember him? Um, Billy Epler told him that the Mets weren't going to be as aggressive. Right? That they couldn't do that. Well, if that's the case, what you just heard from David Stearns would probably tell you that Mets are all in on the number one pitching target and a guy who might get as much money as anybody this offseason, aside from Shohei Otani, of course. But if they don't get Yamamoto, what you heard David Stearns say there is that the Mets are going to use some of those resources and go and attack it in other ways. That could be trades, bringing in guys who maybe have a lot of money on their contracts, or... Or maybe get some other players, some other free agent pitching targets. I don't want any – let me just say this, and it'll probably happen because I am saying this. I don't want any part of Blake Snell here. I don't. Okay? He could take his two Cy Young Awards. He could polish them. He could put them up on the trophy case, do whatever he wants. That is not the guy for this city, at least not in Queens. That is not the target. I thought Blake Snell was an obscure Cy Young winner. Now he's an t- obscure two-time Cy Young Award winner. I just do not think that is going to be a contract that is going to pay handsome returns if the Mets go out there and give him, you know, $150, $200 million. That is not the way to go. Be a little bit more creative. You know, go after a guy like Corbin Burns, who David Stearns knows. Trade for him. You want to talk about a guy who's going to eat innings for you? Bulldog mentality? Give me Burns. Milwaukee will do it if the price is right. I don't want any part of Dylan Cease. No thank you. Glass now for one year 
eh, I'd entertain that. I like his stuff, but the problem with Glasnow is he's never healthy. Never. And then Shane Bieber. I don't know. I'm hot and cold on Bieber. Because since the Cy Young season, which, by the way, was the, the, the Fugazi COVID year, since the Cy Young season, he's kind of gone in the other direction a little bit. And that's what worries me about Bieber. And that Cleveland team, much like Tampa Bay, Cleveland is a lot like Tampa, that when they move on from you, they know something is up. And it's almost like they always are going to win a trade. Keep that in mind. Jose in Brooklyn is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Jose, how are you? Good evening, Mr. Grazish, and shout out to the company. Nice to see that we're, you know, getting a full show, man. Full I vehicle. Have missed this. All right. So, um, you know, just let me uh, talk very quickly here. Um, it's really about the Nick situation because I've been kind of reading up and kind of heard, and then I heard one caller kind of like complain that he only played for 15 minutes yesterday. And I, I just have to say, like, I've been watching a lot of the Nick games throughout this season. And I know Joe Leo tried to calm me down and say that it's, you know, only, you know, December. And it, the problem is, is right now it's already, you know, getting to a point where now this is where people are showing their consistency and it's going to be a hard time to break, you know, except for example, you know, RJ Barrett last year pretty much took him almost all the way to the playoffs to actually, you know, actually play decently well. So for Mr. Quentin Grimes, it really concerns me because, you know, if we, you know, want to keep everyone to their draft stock and or, and where they were drafted, he was drafted almost in the same spot as Emmanuel Quickly, if not at, at the exact same spot. And I'm not seeing the Emmanuel Quickly production, and I've never kind of really saw it. I know he was a I, – I always thought he was a solid defender and a decent shot maker – but I, my fellow Knicks fans, I felt like kind of overrated his value, mm-hmm. where they where they kind of felt like he was an elite defender and uh, gonna be a great three and D guy. And I was kind of almost drinking the Kool Aid until I saw the playoffs last year, because the one thing I know is the playoffs kind of reveal more of who you are, not not less of who you are. And the problem that I have with Quentin Grimes is. The footwork has gotten way worse. The reason he's played himself out of the rotation and Don, is because Dante DiVincenzo plays very good team defense and is not, you know, and is make, actually hitting his shots on the other end. You know, Emmanuel quickly is still, you know, doing very good defensively, coming up with great steals. And then you have the pretty much, you know, the reemergence of R.J. Barrett, who's actually been very good defensively um, uh, uh, with being on Team Canada and going through this stretch because his defense hasn't really slowed down, even though his offense has kind of slowed down since the migraine. So I'm just asking, like, what is Tibbs supposed to do in this situation? Because it looks like Quentin Grimes is playing himself out of the rotation. I don't want that to be the case. But, I like, I don't see it. I just don't see it with how the team is constructed now and how everyone's kind of getting into their groove. 
So I just wanted to see what your take was because I just thought that guy was a little bit way off yeah. to kind of blame Brunson and blame to blame to Jose. You know what it know. is. You know what it is, Jose. Now thank you for the phone call. I, I I think you make good points. The Knicks are who they are. Not a bad team, right? They're a good team. I don't think they're a great team, and they have obvious deficiencies. Like you said, here's the thing about quickly. When I've watched him so far the first 20 games of the season, or when I'm evaluating the first 20 games of him, I don't really see a player all that different from last year. Now, he's got the contract thing hanging over his head, and he's somebody probably that the way the NBA is right now and how they give out money like it's going out of style, he might be somebody who gets a contract from somewhere in the neighborhood of $20 million a year, which ain't going to be a bad thing for quickly, but is he letting that factor into his performance? He's had some good games this year, but then he's had some other games where he's kind of MIA. The thing that's going to help the Knicks more than anything else is if this DiVincenzo thing is sustainable. And I'm not saying he's got to go out there and hit, you know, seven threes a game. That's unrealistic. But if he could go out there and be a solid, you know, shoot in the 40% range from three-point range, give you, let's say, 12 points a night off the bench, it might be a little too much to ask, but hey, heart. DiVincenzo, and then you know eventually you're going to get scoring from quickly more often than not. I think that's okay, especially when you're talking about a Knicks team and Tibbs who does not like to play a deep rotation. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Joining us now to talk all things Big Blue, it's our buddy who covers them oh so well for ESPN. It is Jordan Renan. Jordan, long time no chat. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. How you doing, Dan? Yeah, you know, a little bye week and... Uh... Giants irrelevance, the next thing you know, you know, I'm, I'm in like witness protection over here. <laughs> not, not exactly. And I'll tell you, you know who's not going to be in witness protection either is our boy Tommy DeVito because he's getting a third straight yeah. start. You can't stop him, can you? No, Tommy DeVito, you know, has two wins and three starts. Pretty good for him so far. Uh, I think he, what he's done is he's earned himself some money. Some money. He's 
you know, earned himself a spot on our uh, NFL roster, probably the Giants roster, I would assume, next year and probably for the next few years. And at, you know, seven eight $800,000 a pop, uh, sounds like uh, he's done pretty well for himself. Plus, I mean, I was at last Tuesday that appearance Tommy DeVito Primo made. Hoagies. Hoagies. Primo Hoagies. Primo uh, Hoagies. First of all, Hoagie is just not – look, I like Primo's. Uh, because I actually lived in Philly for a while, and they make good they make good sandwiches. But when you come up here, it's not a hoagie. Anymore. No, it's not. No, no. There's a I line mean, of it's, demarcation. It's, it's, the hoagie goes away. Yeah, I mean, I actually call it a sub. I know hero is probably the the, the more popular thing, but you know, it's not a hoagie. I'm right. a sub guy. I'm a sub guy too. You are. You're a sub oh, guy? absolutely. Okay. Yeah, sub, sub or bust. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree, but I was told, you know, Hero is probably more. Common. Nah, nah. You don't think so? They uh, make it, do they make a good I'm sandwich, a, though? I've, I've, never had, I've never had Primo's. Do they make a good sandwich? They do. They actually do. They make some pretty good sandwiches. The Diablo there, pretty good. There you go. So Jordan recommends the Diablo. There you go. Yeah, let's go. How does the rest of the locker room feel about Tommy DeVito. Now, I know it's a couple of starts, and I know that when he was thrust into the starting role, Giants really didn't have many other options. It was out of necessity. But now that he's won him a couple of games, how is the rest of that room, just the people you've spoken to, are they really accepting this guy as somebody who, at least for now, is leading this team on the football field? Yeah, I mean, he, he has that swag to him, that, that attitude. And when you talk to people, I was actually talking to Justin Pugh today. And he says, you know, like he, he brings that attitude, you know, that, that attitude to him. And in and by attitude, I mean there's like sort of like a I think I mentioned this last time I was on with you, of cockiness, but in like a good way, like a not arrogant, non arrogant way. Where the, that's what Tommy DeVito like brings to the table. And and you know, it's Saquon Barkley mentioned this. It's like you're here for a reason and you belong. Like you he made the NFL. That's a big thing, right? And I know remember I was I was actually I remember talking to you about this. Everybody was misconstruing the situation in that Jets-Giants game where they basically didn't want to throw the ball with he took zero reps and the weather was ridiculous, that he can't throw, they have no trust. Remember that? That was the narrative. Yes. Clearly, 100%. It lasted for a couple weeks. They don't trust him to throw. He can't even complete a pass. Well, they've proven that wrong, right? I mean, he could throw the ball. I mean, that, that is something. And I, thought, I actually talked to an executive today from another team and he's like, he always threw the ball pretty well and pretty accurately and took care of the football. Like, that was always, even when you looked at him before the draft, like, that's what he does well. And I think we've seen that so far. And uh, so the guys in the locker room, it's a lot easier to buy into it when you won two of the three games. Granted, he didn't have a great game against New England. But when you win, it's a lot easier for them to say, you know what, okay, let's keep going with this guy, even though Tyrod's healthy. And I think that's where the Giants are right now. They say, okay, we can still sell this to the locker room that we're trying to win. And at the same time, we get the chance to develop a young player and take a longer look at him. Because the best experience, the only experience, is game experience. Of course. Now, on the flip side, we all kind of thought that Tyrod Taylor, once he was deemed healthy and ready to go, he'd be starting. Mm -hmm. Um, Tyrod kind of offered, I guess, a no comment the other day. You know what I mean? That changed when they won two games in a row because it made it easier to sell the locker room. Well, the damn shame of it for Tyrod, though, and, and, and in a way you kind of feel bad for the guy, but, like, the narrative on Tyrod yeah. Taylor's career is he can never stay healthy. I mean, sometimes it's not his fault, but he just can't stay healthy. And, you know, obviously he wasn't thrilled about not getting the starting job back, but 
What do you think the future holds at least the next five weeks for Tyrod Taylor with this team? Yeah, he was obviously disappointed. Uh, and you can understand that because, like, you kept, like you're saying, this keeps happening. Go look at his track record. It's crazy. You're talking about Cleveland. You know, he, he, I believe he got a concussion. And then Baker Mayfield comes in and has that rookie year. That's the end of him. Uh, in Buffalo, he actually got benched right. Nathan Peterman, which is that's, that's the one you don't want to boast about for sure. So, and then you're talking about, uh, I want to call him San Diego every time. The Chargers in L.A., uh, when he got the, the needle, you know, broken fractured ribs again there, uh, the needle punctured his lung. Yeah. And then what, Justin Herbert steps in, so that's the end of him there. And now here he has the broken ribs again. Tommy DeVito wins a couple games. It's possible that Tyrod Taylor might have to sit and and on the bench and watch the rest of the year. But I do think if they struggle, if it doesn't go well, the Giants will give him an opportunity and play him because you can't sell to the locker room that you're not giving them the best chance to win. Like guys like Saquon Barkley, uh, Xavier McKinney, they're in contract years. They're going to go out there and put their future at stake and you're going to keep rolling out an undrafted rookie if he's really struggling this week or the next couple games. I think then Tyrod Taylor does have a chance to still play this year. And Brian Dable kind of said that they're kind of taking this right now on a week-by-week basis. Jordan Renan joining us here on 98.7 ESPN, talking Giants. They got the Packers coming up on Monday night at MetLife Stadium. What have the last couple of weeks, if anything, told you about Brian Dayball in terms of the referendum on him, which was, hey, he might be losing this team. Remember, they had a couple of ugly losses with the Raiders and the Cowboys, and maybe things are slipping away, even though they have injuries. But do the last couple of weeks kind of shed any different light on things, Jordan, that, no, I think think he's still got the pulse of the room here and they play hard for him? Yeah, I don't know. Not much has changed. I mean, this is kind of what it was last year. You beat They beat up on the really bad teams, and you know, they play. So I guess it is. it does bode well for him that at least they're still playing. But, I mean, they beat two of the worst teams in the NFL. This is kind of the MO last year, right? They beat uh, and beat up on a weak schedule. And whenever they play the good team, they're kind of outclassed and overmatched. So I think we're kind of in the same spot with Brian Dable. I was never at the idea that he had lost the players. Uh, his coaching staff, on the other hand, that's definitely in question. There's clearly a little rift between him and Wink Martindale, two guys who approach their job and uh, about how they go and do their job very, very differently. So um, we've seen a bunch of incidents now uh, lay out in front, play out in front of us over the past, what, six weeks? And you could tell that the two men and, and Jay Glazer kind of outlined it. Uh, there's, they're in a bad, kind of we're in a bad place. The only thing that we didn't know is that it got to the point where hey, this means that Wink might not be here and take a thought till the end of the year. I think that's going to happen until the, the end of the year. But it's going to be something that they have to, Brian Dable has to take care of and maybe John Merrill has to step in there uh, at the end of the season and mediate between those and say, hey, listen, because for the Giants, you're trying to build something here. Year three is a big year for this program, right? To start over on defense is not beneficial for the Giants. Probably not beneficial for Wink to go start somewhere new it's certainly not beneficial for Brian Dable long-term to turn over the defense for you. The personnel set up for Wink's defense, right? Uh, the, you know, to have to start over right now is probably not a great way to go about uh, 
starting a very important year three for him. But where does this stem from, though? You know what I mean? Like this rift that, you know, certainly, look, when you're losing, nobody's going to be happy. Nobody's probably going to even enjoy interacting with one another, especially on game days when things aren't going right. But does this date back to last year in any way? Because everything seemed okay a season ago when they were going to the playoffs and they were winning playoff games. Losing brings out animosity. So what is where where does this come from? I think it's just, it, it, first of all, it starts, like I said, and I've spoken to people about this, about how they're just two very different individuals. The way they go about everything, you know, their approaches are just very different. Uh, and, you know, Brian Dayball at times is unhinged on the sidelines. Wing Martindale is the most stoic, composed person I've ever seen on the sideline. And he even explained to us once how he feels like he owes it to his players to be composed in tough moments, and key moments of the game. And then look at Brian Dayball. I mean, they're completely opposite in that regard, right? I mean, how many times has the camera caught Dayball flipping the uh, tablet or, you know, dressing down a player? Like, that's just everything we kind of doesn't believe in. And then there's been so, – so I do think it does stand back to last year. But when things are working and things are going well, then, you know, Brian Dayball's not on Wink Martindale's case so much. The offense wasn't struggling to a degree. That, I think, has really added to the equation this year that, you know, Brian Dayball's all over Wink Martindale, and he's hard on Wink Martindale and his coaches. And what's the Giants' biggest problem this year? Their offense, yeah. right? They're the 32nd-ranked offense. Thank God for the Patriots being so impotent and incompetent that the Giants, someone finally passed the Giants for, in points per game. They're now 31st, but they're averaging less than 14 points a game. So think about how much pressure that puts on the defense, and I think that really has kind of exacerbated something that was probably the foundation was laid last year. Well, two of the three, you know, two of the three worst offenses in the NFL reside in this city, unfortunately, and we got to watch it on a weekend. The Jets are closing in on the Giants for 32nd ranked offense in terms of yards there. It's gotten close there. Yeah. So the Jets, Patriots, and uh, Giants are really fighting for some uh, big time Call me one. Title. Call me one that is not surprised by that feat, Jordan. As somebody who has to uh, watch it week in and week out here. What's the latest on Dexter Lawrence? <laughs> is he in jeopardy in any way here on Monday? Uh yeah, definitely in jeopardy. He hasn't practiced yet this week. But remember, it is a long week, and Brian Dable was pretty hopeful that Dexter's going to get on the field on Friday. So I think that does give him a chance. And Friday is like getting on the field on Thursday which has pretty much been his routine the past few weeks, even before he was injured, kind of get a veteran day on Wednesday, you know, practice Thursday, Friday, uh, take a rest day on Saturday and play on Sunday. So he still has that laid out for him. As long as things go well on Friday, I think he has a chance to play, which obviously is big for this team because he's their best defensive player. So what are the plans for Jordan now that he doesn't have to work on Sunday and he has a Monday night game? What are you going to do on Sunday afternoon now? Yes, we got a party on Saturday night that we got to go to. So I think Sunday morning is going to be a slow morning for me. Nice. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I I invited my friends over because we usually get together during a bye week. And I did a family thing this past week. So my home friends, like the guys I grew up with, we like to always get together once a year. And they all came up with excuses of why they couldn't come. And I invited them all over. And actually, I said to them, uh, as they were all responding, I got this for my kid, I got this for my kid. I said, you know what? This is perfect. I really didn't want you guys to come over anyway. Because, uh, I'm- <laughs> See, that? that's friendship right there. You can't buy that. 
even with all the money in the yeah. world. Jordan, great stuff. The token invite is the token invite is always great. The token know. invite is great because you at least get credit for the invite, and it's not reciprocated. Yeah. So you checked every box you could. It's perfect. Exactly. It's a lost so art form. They, they they've hosted the past few years, and they bring you know take care of it. It's during the season, I'm used to. That's my wife. I'm totally more useless than normal. Enjoy the Sunday, sleep in, enjoy the party, and we'll do it again next week, my friend. Sounds good. What's the best game this week? What do we got this week? It's got to be Philly, Philly, Dallas, right? Sunday night. Oh yeah. Okay. Philly, all Dallas, right, well, and then we got. Nice. What can I do all day? Well, you got Buffalo. They're hungover. Buffalo, Kansas City at four o'clock. Ooh. Okay. I'm in for that. Yes. All let, right. Let me see if there's see anything there. in the uh, one o'clock window real quick while I have you here. Uh. Bu- 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 uh one o'clock window, I might not be feeling so good. So, Does, I, could, I could, I could, I could rally by the four p.m. Yeah, no problem. Rams, Baltimore is not terrible. One o'clock. Okay, enough to keep me busy. Indy, Cincinnati, a backup quarterback fest with two teams still in the wild card mix. Yeah. Jacksonville, I mean, Cleveland. You you only watch red zone, right? Yeah, I mean, if if, if I'm home, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Joe Flacco and the Browns against C.J. Beathard and the Jaguars. That do anything for you? Wait, what about Zach Wilson? C.J. Stroud, young quarter, two young quarterbacks. Two number two overall picks in the draft. That should sell itself. Ascending, ascending young quarterback. Zach is ascending. He's on the bench right Playing in a monsoon at MetLife Stadium. Oh, baby. Can't wait. Cannot wait. I, I had to watch. I had to watch Patriots Giants. Uh, I, know, I know what it feels like. Yeah. So, so what is it? Enjoy. That's, that's going to be. But that's going to be what? Three straight Sundays, rainy football at MetLife Stadium, right? Patriots Giants, and then he had Jets Falcons, and then yeah. this week Jets well, Texans. That, well, the Jets Dolphins wasn't a Sunday, right? No, that was Black Friday. That also wasn't. That also wasn't rainy. Yeah. Yeah. But three straight yeah. Sunday well, games, you're going to have rain. Maybe it's indicative of how they've played this let me, year. And let me, let me end with this. These teams don't need rain to be crappy on offense either. They that, can do it without the rain. That is fair. But this will be a good test for maybe C.J. Stroud and that Texans offense. We'll see. Jets defense is so good. I almost feel for them, actually. Yeah. They got, they, they got five more to play. They're contracted to play five more. We'll see how it goes. Jordan, <laughs> enjoy the Sunday, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. I love thanks, Dan. All right, there's Jordan Renani, ESPN, talking Giants. They got the Packers coming up on Monday Night Football. There is actually a well-known player in the National Football League who has come out and defended the aforementioned Zach Wilson. We'll talk about that, plus more of your phone calls to close things out. Larry and Gordon coming up at the top of the hour. Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Sticks and Farner 
They're going to come together for the Renegades and Jukebox Heroes Tour next summer at PNC Bank Arts Center on July the 23rd. ESPN New York is your chance to score tickets all week at ESPNNewYork.com or on the ESPN New York app. Scroll down to the contest and submit your entry. It's brought to you by Live Nation. Tickets are on sale this Friday, December the 8th at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, before we get back to the call, so Micah Parsons, he of the Dallas Cowboys, he's really, really good at football if you haven't figured that out up until now. So, Harvey, this is his own podcast? This is his own personal podcast? Yeah. It's called The Edge. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on Micah's podcast, which you can get anywhere that you get podcasts, I guess, um, he called out the media. He took the media to task, you know, with this latest report about Zach Wilson and the reluctance and all these things. So he blamed them for just continuing to have at it when it comes to the Jet quarterback. Y'all wanted to get rid of Zach Wilson. Y'all shamed him. He got blamed by the media. He got blamed by everyone. Coach said that was their best option at quarterback. And you thought anybody can just play quarterback in the NFL because y'all just think quarterback is just the easiest job, which is not. Zach Wilson's execution hasn't been great. But in reality, he's a good enough player to win games. Everyone cares about what your quarterback did and if he performed enough and good enough to win. And he's in New York. New York's huge in football. New York media. And you guys deliberately killed this man's confidence. Y'all single-handedly broke him down. If I'm Zach and you know this team may move on from me, you have this narrative that is painted against you and you have an opportunity to fix it. That's a beautiful thing about life. And if I are you, I don't care what no one says. I'm going to go out here and just play my brand of football. And that's the best thing you can do. All right. Well, there you go. So Micah Parsons trying to have Zach Wilson's back. Didn't he do that earlier this year, too, when the Jets, like, played the Cowboys? He was saying some things about him, or, you know, he defended them. Or was, or was Chad Ochocinco the one who was always coming to the defense of Zach Wilson? I can't remember. But either way, you know what? That's not going to help him on Sunday against the Houston Texans. Certainly didn't help him against Micah Parsons and the Cowboys when they played. But just he's go, go out there and play at this point. Tony in the Bronx, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tony, how are you? Hello, Tony. Hey, can you hear me? Gotcha, Tony. Loud and clear. What's going on? All right. Great, Dan. How's uh, how's it going? What's cooking? Anything good tonight? No, we got nothing on the stove tonight. Nothing at all. Had dinner earlier. Little sandwich action. That's about it. Nice, nice. Dan, I had to weigh in. I yeah. heard you talking about the, uh, the Soto trade. And you mentioned cash. And you mentioned how us uh, Yankee fans uh, here, you know, we were going to, you know, feel like apologizing to uh, to Cash. And I got to tell you right now, there are no apologies for 14 years of misery, Dan. That's 14 years going on 15 years with no rings. You realize that there are little kids that are 14 years old running around here that have not seen them win the whole thing? And that is me. I've been spoiled with all the rings in the 90s, a dynasty. So I'm, like, at the point where I'm, like, foaming at the mouth. They get Yamamoto along with Soto and then started from there. We got Verdugo out there. Looks like the outfield is pretty good. We'll go ahead and touch on the infield after that. But it's the beginning steps. Cash has a lot of making up to do, Dan. It's not that easy, one player. I mean, yes. Okay, you know, I'm thinking about letting you sit at the table with us and having dinner. That's what this is. It's not that you're going to go ahead and sit down. You get Yamamoto, you can definitely sit down, you know, give you a pat in the back. You're coming around, you know, you're waking up and great, you know, it's good to have you with us. 
Uh, can you keep it going and keep it rolling? You know, it'd be more like that a little bit. But for the 14 years of misery, Dan, are you kidding me? Hey, Tone. This a lot of making up. Tone. One, tra- one signing isn't going to do it, Dan. You would let Cash sit at the table with you, especially if he brought Hal's credit card and he picked up the tab, if you know what I mean. He, you know what it is. And, you know, where Hal, I was telling my wife, I'm like, you know, with the boss, he would not have put up with the 14 years. He would have gone out and got everybody years ago. We wouldn't have gone this long. But, no, Hal Steinbrenner is more of a businessman. Oh, thank goodness I got cash here to run things, you know. And that's what Hal's been. Now, because of the embarrassment, you got rich folks that are embarrassed at 82 wins. And so they stop moving and making uh, things happen. And that's when it happens. You got to embarrass them. And that's what happened. And I'm glad that it finally they woke up over there. Uh, 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 well, Tone, look, you know what? There's still, Tone, there's still work to be done, and, and I thank you for the phone call. And that's what I said. This is a good first step. Now, normally when you swing for the fences and bring in a guy to the caliber of Juan Soto, that's like the crown jewel of your offseason. But this is a good start. There's still work to be done. As I said, they got to go bring in another pitcher or two to add to that starting rotation. The bullpen could use some tinkering, right? Address those needs. You go to spring training, I'm not going to sit here and say the Yankees are all the way back and they're a World Series favorite, but they're certainly going to be in a hell of a lot better shape than they were last year. And oh, by the way, a pretty darn good division, too, in the American League East.